Hello there, I'm Marina Mahadeo. Welcome to Busy Reading Books, a podcast where we'll explore the world through words, featuring some of my favourite books and authors. Hello BRB listeners, we've got an exciting offer for you. Get an exclusive 10% discount at Book Access, Malaysia's leading book retailer. Just use the code ZAFIGO10, all caps, at checkout before 6 September 2021. It can be used store-wide except during flash sales. Happy shopping! Hello, this is Marina again for, with episode 4 of Busy Reading Books. And today we are going to talk about the second largest book market in the world, which is India. Uh, second largest market for English uh, books uh, is actually India, which is unsurprising given how big that country is. It is gigantic. It's got 1.2 billion people. And in the past few years, it's been rapidly uh, urbanizing, even though right now still 70% of its people live in rural areas. But as you know, when you have 1.2 billion people, even if 30% live in urban centers, those urban centers like Mumbai and Delhi and Hyderabad, Bangalore, they are gigantic. Now, as far as literacy rates are concerned, uh, India has a 74% literacy rate, um, which is so-so, but there is a big disparity between men and women. Literacy rate among women is about 65%, whereas among men is 82%. I won't go into why that is, but as you know, it's quite a patriarchal society, so probably less opportunities for education for women. But still, overall, the literacy rate is uh, high. The average is 74%. But in states like Kerala, um, it's like 90-something percent because Kerala state has, from the longest time, made it a policy to make sure that all its people are literate. So given that literacy rate... It's no wonder that people there read books, especially in the cities, because they are a huge market for English language books. Now, in India, the largest number of speakers speak Hindi, and that is kind of the official government language. But English is a very, very important language in India. It's used in education, it's used in business, it also is used in administration. So a large number of people do speak English well enough to write it and and read it. And that is why the Indian publishing industry is gigantic. It's the second largest in the world for English books after the US, accounting for 739 billion rupees, which is the same as 10 billion US dollars or 41 billion Malaysian ringgit, the size of the book market. So you can imagine how lucrative it is uh, to publish books uh, in India, given the size of that market. And in fact, in 2010, which is, okay, 10 years ago, uh, 
publishers in India published 21,600 new English titles. So you can imagine from then until now how many more uh, book titles that they have brought out. And so because of this tradition of publishing and reading, um, it's no wonder that there are so many good Indian writers writing in English uh, and getting known worldwide. This has been a long tradition. It goes way back to uh, early 20th century. People like R.K. Narayan and Mulk Raj Anand, Kushwan Singh, um, Ruskin Bond and uh, Manoha Mangalha. Okay, we might not have known of a lot of those, but those were the early um, Indian writers writing in English. Some of them are getting known overseas. But, of course, we know the many more contemporary ones like Salman Rushdie, of course, Arundhati Roy, Aravind Adiga, uh, Vikram Seth, Kiran Desai, and Amitav Ghosh. Now, not only are there so many Indian writers, but these writers are gaining recognition in countries like the UK and the US and winning awards. And it started actually in 1913 when Rabindranath Tagore, the Bengali poet and author and philosopher, won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Uh, but that was a long time ago. Nobody's won the Nobel Prize for Literature from India yet, but they certainly have won quite a lot of the Man Booker Prize. Uh, for instance, in 1981, Salman Rushdie won the prize, the Booker Prize for Midnight's Children. And in fact, that book has been given the title of the best novel of all time uh, among the Booker Prize winners twice uh, for its 25th anniversary and the 40th anniversary and it is an amazing book. I, it's the first Salman Rushdie book I ever read and I was completely sold because this guy is amazing. Uh, how he manages to layer this whole story with his background of what was happening in India at the time, uh, talking about Indira Gandhi and all that. He's a mix of historical and what do they call it? Magical realism. Um, the other winners of the Booker Prize have been Arundhati Roy, of course, in 1998 for The God of Small Things. And in 2006, Kiran Desai won it for Inheritance of Loss, which is also a lovely book. In 2008, Aravind Adiga won it for White Tiger, which, if you don't know, is currently a movie, I think, on Netflix. And it's got Priyanka Chopra in it. Uh, not bad, not bad, but I still think that the book is better uh, than the film. Uh, but, you know, if you want an introduction to a story about India and class differences and, and uh, things like that, it, White Tiger is a pretty good intro. In 2012... Um, a writer called Jit Tayil uh, was on the shortlist also for the Booker Prize for his book Narcopolis, which I think is about the drug scene in uh, Mumbai. I haven't read that, but to get on the shortlist of the Booker Prize is, is really quite an achievement. 
And there actually are lots of others. If you've ever been to India, besides looking at all the historical sites and the monuments and the palace, and besides going shopping for shawls and fabric and little knickknacks and jewellery and everything, you absolutely, absolutely must stop at a bookstore because their bookstores are amazing. Because if you're going to have so many publishers bringing out books every year in India, in English, mind you, and that's not counting all the other languages that they have, just in English. If you go to a bookstore, you're just going to, in Malay, we call it Rambang Mata, you know, where you're just completely confused and overwhelmed by all these titles and all these authors, a lot of whom you've never heard of. And they really do have uh, some amazing ones. Even, you know, I have just picked up books at the airport because the airport bookstores are already, you know, real little gems because you'll find all these books. And nowadays, you know, the covers of the books are so nice that their graphics are so good. And you get people like Anita Desai and David Davida, who wrote The House of Blue Mangoes, I think. Um, Ani Salim, uh, who I just got a book called... Um, Vic's Mango Tree, which is a really lovely book about this sort of hapless man, you know, who, you know, all these things around him are happening with, um, well, really a kind of an oppressive government and all that, and he just doesn't know what to do. People that he knows are getting arrested and things like that is, is a very, very good book. And I'm not even counting the Indian authors who are living overseas now. For instance, uh, uh, people like, well, besides Salman Rushdie, who, Sir Salman Rushdie, who lives now in New York, although he's lived in the UK, and I think he must be a UK citizen at least by now. Um, there's Jhumpa Lahiri, who lives in the States. Um, Gita Mehta uh, wrote a book called A River Sutra a long time ago. She is the wife of Sunny Mehta, who was the head of Random House, who just died, I think, last year. Um, that I, That's a lovely book. Uh, Pankaj Mishra, of course, is a real thinker. He writes nonfiction. He wrote this book called The Age of Anger. And then there's Amit Chaudhary, who is Bengali. He comes from Calcutta. And he, I think he used to teach at where I used to study, University of East Anglia, and I had to do one of his books for one of um, my uh, courses. The course was called The Nonfiction Novel, and Amichari's book, Friend of My Youth, is a prime example because you read it, and it's about a writer called Amichari. Uh, who goes to do a residency or something in Mumbai. And you don't know whether it's fiction or it's real because the name of the author is the same and his wife and his kid have the same names and everything, you know, seems like it's real, like it's nonfiction, but he says it is fiction. So there's a real panoply of uh, books from India um, that are really worth exploring. I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out why is it. I think it's because they, they do read and speak English and they do have a way with words. And what I like about these books are that 
they are they talk about India but again they are quite universal I mean if you read the God of Small Things and you don't come from Kerala still you can identify with the two protagonists uh, I think it's a pair of twins or brother and sister and you know everything that happens around them because if you come from Malaysia you come from Asia there are some commonalities in the way we look at things or our little customs and and things like that so I thought I'll talk about some of my favorite Indian authors and the books and I guess number one would have to be Salman Rushdie as I said I read Midnight's Children 20-30 years ago I'm not sure when and just you know was overwhelmed by how he wrote it it was like an onion and I I've always been curious about how fiction writers write because, you know, he starts with something at the beginning and he doesn't really come back to it until the end. So, like, how does he know where the middle is going to go that he can circle back? And uh, it's it's really about Indira Gandhi's India and how it affects um, different classes of people. And since then, I've really picked up quite a lot of his other books um, like Shalima the Clown and Shame and um, the more almost children's books Harun and the Sea of Stories Um, The Enchantress of Florence I particularly love because it's set in Fatipur Sikri which is the ancient city of um, the Indian was he Mughal, um, King Akbar. Um, and if you ever get a chance to go to India, uh, you must go to Fatipur Sikri. It's, it was actually an abandoned city, but it's got this huge palace, mostly red in color, if I remember correctly. And Akbar uh, built this palace for his wife. So the, they're like, I think, distributed in four corners of his palace, which is, I guess, a great way of of uh, managing them but the thing was that each wife was a different religion Uh, one was a Muslim one was a Christian one was a Hindu and one was something else I'm not sure what but it's fascinating uh, this entire beautiful city which eventually got abandoned because there was no water around there so this beautiful palace um, that he built he had to leave in the end there's a movie about Akbar and his Hindu wife Joda Akbar starring Hrithik Roshan as the Mughal Emperor and Ashwarya Rai as his Hindu wife Joda that really talks about his relationship with this one uh, wife who was Hindu Akbar because was Muslim that's beautiful movie, especially if you like, you know, beautiful costumes and handsome heroes, beautiful women, you know, the whole uh, Bollywood thing. So, yes, The Enchantress of Florence is, is set there. And um, Saman Rushdie wrote that book. He's written some more recent ones. The most recent one, I think, is a reworking of A Thousand and One Nights. Um its title is actually the number of number of hours or something and 
hours and minutes in a thousand and one nights. But somehow I, I couldn't really get through it. So I, I again, you know, I, I don't know. I, I tend to like earlier books of these authors and not the later ones. Um, the other author I love, of course, is Arundhati Roy. As I keep saying, I want to be Arundhati when I grow up, even though I, I think she's at least a, a good 10 years younger than me. But I love The God, God of Small Things. Her latest novel, because actually in between she's been writing a lot of non-fiction, especially about the way how the big dams are affecting indigenous people in India and, and many other social justice issues. And her latest book, The Ministry of Utmost Happiness, I actually was not too fond of. I think it would have been great if it only had one story in it, which was a story of a transgender person and how they grew up and, and things like that. But she mixed it up with another story and I felt like it was distracting and it didn't quite work. I don't know. Maybe I'll give it another try another time. But I could not finish it, which is really strange for me with Arundhati because I admire her so much. I admire her facility with words so much. And like I said, I aspire to be her, but it's probably too late for me. Um, the other Indian writer I really like is Amitav Ghosh, who wrote uh, Sea of Poppies, which is a historical novel. It was set during the British colonial times. And it talks about the relationship really between the Brits and the locals. And Sea of Poppies, 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 get it? Um, is about, yeah, opium and the opium trade. And, and he's written other books, uh, I think Glass Palace and um, other things, and, you know, and, and uh, really about Indian diaspora and the opium trade and all these things. It follows the characters over several books. I think at one point he, he did also mention Malaya about uh, the Indian soldiers or Indian workers coming to Malaya and I think the last one was uh, about China, the trade between India and China, primarily opium trade which the British East India Company was making a lot of profit from uh, at the expense of the locals. But what I love particularly about Sea of Poppies and I was trying to look it up uh, somewhere and is that he uses a lot of words um, from that time, local words that the British adopted and we also adopted. One of the things I remember, one of the words I remember is the word daftar. Um, here we use the word daftar to mean registry, right? Apparently the original meaning was office and the Brits called, I think they call people who went to the office dufters. So it, it came from there. And another word that I remember was the word timba, which means a uh, bucket, right? We, we call buckets timba and, and so did they. And there were many words like that. In fact, he provided a whole glossary of all these words. And it's fascinating to go through them and see how many of the words not all are Indian, um, but some are Portuguese and all that. How many of those that we here in Malaysia have also taken on? Besides that, um, of course, I love Aravin Adiga's White Tiger. 
He's written some other things since. I'm trying to remember the name, but I don't think it quite reached um, uh, the White Tiger level. I don't think he's won any more awards since, but there you go. You know, sometimes you just have to do a fantastic first book and then then the next one can kind of... Well, there's pressure to follow up and that's not always easy. I'm not going to talk about the Indian writers who now live overseas and who now locate their stories overseas uh, because I think that's a different uh, topic altogether and we can come to that later. But I did discover um, a new writer uh, who's from India who is now in the U.S. and her name is Mega Majumda. Her first book is called The Burning and it is about India. It's about a woman who, as we sometimes do, uh, wrote something on Facebook which got her uh, targeted as a possible um, terrorist or at least a friend uh, of terrorists and then that got her into terrible trouble. Um, but it's written from different points of view and it's kind of sad because it really is a critique of the way the media um, humiliates people really and takes advantages takes advantage of people just to get a story. But it's it's very good uh, debut, I think, for Mega Majumda. And she is living in the U.S., but she's writing about her own country. So who knows, later on she'll talk about the Indian diaspora. But I think diaspora stories uh, should be kept for another episode where we can also talk about other diasporas. So that's it for this week, um, talking about Indian writers. If you have any favorite uh, Indian writers that you would like to recommend or favorite books, do put it in the comments and I'll be happy to look them up and read them. I'm always looking for good books to read. So thanks very much for listening and see you next week. Bye. P.S. When I referred to Amitav Ghosh's glossary, known as actually the crestomathy that he included in his book Sea of Puppies. The word for bucket was baldi, not timba. I forgot. And yes, we do use baldi in Malay uh, to mean bucket. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out zafigo.com for more travel inspiration. Until next time.